Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined, as always, by our teacher, David Durfee. What's up, Dave? So good to be with you, Scott, and everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Yeah, we've got uh, another great episode planned today. Gang, we'll be uh, kind of taking off from where we left off last week. Uh, This week, we'll be talking about uh, why are we... Uh, have the need of a redemption, why we have the need of a Savior, who we are, whose we are, and, and so, so much more. So, But before we get into that today, David, I just wanted to tell everybody, hey, thanks so much for your emails. Uh, we've received a few. We won't be addressing any questions on this episode here today, but uh, there are a couple that we do owe answers to, and uh, you can uh, anticipate those either to come forth in and as part of a podcast, or we may even, uh, in fact, we're committed to, we're going to respond to a couple of them individually. So. Yeah, I was really touched, Scott, <coughs> by that that one email that um, was sent, uh, I think somebody from Florida. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Anyway, but um, I want to respond personally to that, and that we, uh, our hearts go out to individuals who are hurting, suffering, either because of the loss of their children spiritually or, in the in this case, the loss of children physically. Yeah. This was actually a town called Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I love that little Tennessee, town. Tennessee, huh? Yeah. Love that little town. Anyway, my heart really went out to him and his family, and, and uh, my wife and I will respond to that personally. But... Um, yeah, and there's just so, so much need, Scott. It just reinforces. Yeah. So much need to for a more complete understanding of and faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I I know that that will not reduce anyone's sorrow. But you can have peace in sorrow when you understand and have faith in the atonement of Jesus Christ. If there's no peace in sorrow, uh, that's just flat-out miserable. Right. And Satan loves us to be miserable. But there there doesn't need to be any misery in sorrow if one understands the plan of redemption and has faith in Jesus Christ and his atonement. Uh, Because the perfect brightness of hope that comes with that, uh, again, doesn't necessarily take away sorrow. But it it does eliminate misery. It's just a little bit easier for me uh, to deal with the sorrow if I have hope in the sorrow. And I felt the uh, hopelessness, and I know maybe we all have to a degree from time to time, felt the hopelessness that can come. But but amidst the sorrow, if we can find hope. And, and sometimes for me personally, I, you know, I'm dealing with a little situation right now where it's difficult to find hope. Uh, you know, a little family situation, and it's difficult. We to all find, have that to find hope. But but the thing about that hope is, is that you know, with faith in Jesus Christ, yeah. and we're going to talk about that in great detail in some upcoming episodes here. But as we as we have that faith in Jesus Christ, that does allow that hope. But it, it but I and I have felt uh, that absence of that faith at, from time to time, and that can, like you said, be just extremely miserable. So, anyway. The redemptive powers, the enabling powers, the compensating powers of the atonement of Jesus Christ should certainly uh, help us to not feel miserable 
or misery, even though we have deep sorrow. And uh, even God knows sorrow. Yeah. But yeah. God does not know misery. Right. I mean, God cries. We, we have that amazing scripture, right, in Moses. Moses 7. Yeah. About him weeping. Yeah. Enoch sees God weeping. And that's uh, touching. God feels emotions, and they're not... They're not always positive, yeah. but they don't make him miserable. That's the key. And it really does require us, again, to achieve a sense of alignment. And the greater alignment that we can achieve, the more likely we are to have you know, more of those godlike attributes in our own life, in our own world, which, again, will not necessarily eliminate the, the sorrow, but the misery that can come from it, for sure. Well, so, uh, and that kind of leads us into the, the whole purpose of this course. Before you get into that, just let me just make one more quick mention, and then we can be done with housekeeping stuff. But gang, he redeems us at gmail.com. He redeems us at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out with your emails. We uh, commit to at least respond in some way to all of the ones that we receive. Uh, many of them we hope we already have, and we continue to plan to have a lot of those uh, questions answered right here on the podcast. So there yeah. you go, Dave. Well, the, this podcast is, uh, again, based on a course that is now a worldwide institute course uh, in the Institute of Religion, and uh, you can actually get that on the uh, LDS library if by going into the Institute program, and I um, recommend that maybe you do that and look at some of the lessons. It's fun to, to be uh, somewhat involved in the preparation of uh, some of the lessons and the teacher manual and the things that go along with this course and helping Elder Anderson to write his book. But we we wanted to title this podcast Redeemed Through His Blood. Um, we know it uh, includes the doctrine of Christ, and there's probably a lot of other titles we could have given this podcast. But... I, I just have been really, over the many years of uh, preparing and teaching lessons in the church education system, Scott. In fact, in fact Scott, I, I think one thing that, uh, that uh, led, led us to title this is discussion I had with Brother Robert J. Matthews many years ago when he was in Minnesota uh, with me, stayed at my home, and and uh, stayed with us for a week. And he and I had a long discussion once about all of the different titles of Jesus Christ. He told me a story once about uh, his son. Um, he overheard his son talking to some of his childhood friends about uh, the prophet Joseph Smith, and uh, his son was focused so much on Joseph Smith that uh, he 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 felt something about that his son should maybe be talking more about Jesus than Joseph Smith. Now nobody's a greater defender of the restoration than Joseph Smith than Robert J. Matthews was. Robert J. Matthews, for those who are maybe new to our podcast, is the individual who wrote the Bible dictionary, 
and uh, was the dean of religious education at BYU. And anyway, very prolific author, first, first uh, t- uh, president of the Mount Timpanogos Temple, and was a patriarch and a friend of mine. And and uh, well, not I don't even know if I can call him a friend, but like a mentor to me. And um, anyway. He 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 felt somewhat bad that his that his son was defending Joseph Smith in a way that he thought I wonder if he could defend Jesus Christ the same way, and he felt like his son should be defending Jesus Christ and testifying of Jesus Christ more than Joseph Smith. Well, so his his son, when he had an opportunity later on, he he said so. So, son, what what do you know about Jesus Christ? How, tell me what you know about Jesus Christ, because his son could knew so much about Joseph Smith and church history. And his his son's answer was was pretty brief. And he felt really bad about that. Brother Matthews felt bad about that, and he thought, I maybe I haven't done an effective enough job teaching my son about Jesus Christ. And so he started to teach his son about the different titles. And he and I had this discussion about, what's your favorite title of, of Jesus Christ, of all the titles? You know, there's over 100 names and titles right. of Jesus Christ, mediator, advocate, uh, so many names and titles. And uh, as we discussed that, we we decided that maybe... Maybe it would be Redeemer, that of all the titles of Jesus Christ. Because we talked about this last week, I know, but the Redeemer and Savior do not mean the same things. And, and I love them both, and I, I don't know that you can have a favorite, <laughs> right? It's like asking me what's my favorite ice cream. But I don't know if you can have a favorite. But Redeemer, to me, is... This is the depth, and it's always associated with blood, Scott. Redemption is through blood. And uh, Savior, yes, through his atonement, Jesus saved us from death and from sin. And and Savior is kind of, um, he saved us, he delivered us. Deliverer is a little bit more um, associated with Savior. Um, but Redeemer, this is... He purchased us. He ransomed us. He 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 literally, as the Goel that we talked about last week, this is the kinsman who comes and purchases us and and re- gets us out of bondage, delivers us from being sold into slavery. Um, I don't know, Scott. It's just it's so humbling. Uh, for me to think about the title of Redeemer and that it's it's always associated with his blood. And last last week we talked a little bit about that, but we didn't talk so much maybe about some of the scriptures that testify of that. So I want to share just a few scriptures and then we'll we'll get into a little bit, I hope today, about the pre-mortal existence and the plan of redemption as it was even presented there. And uh, and our identity and who, and who we are and whose we are, which it goes to the very heart of the idea that Jesus purchased us by and through His blood. 
So anyway, uh, should we do that now? Yeah, I, let me let me just add a little commentary to what you just said there, because I think it's so important. You know, we're, we're about to build a case, I guess, uh, around why it's important for us to understand and know not just who we are, but whose we are. And I think we spend in the church, you know, it's just part of our culture. We spend a lot of time growing up understanding I am a child of God. And he has sent me here, and and, and we and we really do focus a lot on that. You know, it, it's a joke that we sometimes say in the church about our families. Don't forget who you are. You know, when people are leaving the house and and, and things like that. Which isn't so much a joke, <laughs> it, but but it's because a, it can be life changing. Well, it, but it but it's something that that we do talk about. We, we sometimes take for granted. Yeah, and and we do laugh about it. You know, yeah. sometimes and and stuff like that. But. But, and we do take it for granted. But the point about whose we are, you know, I think that that's I think that that might be a, a in the depth that we mean it, maybe a new concept to some of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about, well, yeah, I know. I know I'm Heavenly Father's. He's my father, uh, you know, and, and all of that. But why is it important for us to know that we are Jesus's? Jesus's. He bought us. He yeah. purchased us. You know, we're going to get into all of this and help us to understand that. But to know whose we are. So Jesus Christ purchased us with a price. We're going to talk about what that price is as we go. So he purchased us. If he purchased us and we are his, then his advocacy to the Father has deeper and greater meaning than if we were just brothers well, and sisters totally, to him. Totally. In fact, the scriptures even say that, that he, that he could mediate and advocate for us because he spilt his blood. For us to purchase us—that's that's what allowed him to do that in the first place. So anyway, and I, I didn't—I don't know if I said this last time or not, Scott, in our discussion about Savior, Redeemer, salvation, redemption. Um, Redeemer is redeem and Redeemer is a little bit more of an Old Testament and Book of Mormon title of the Savior. Actually, uh, a Redeemer is is uh, much more. Uh, mentioned the the title is much more used in the old testament than the new testament and and more in the book of mormon than the new testament uh, in fact the new testament uh does not even use the title redeemer not one time it, in fact the new testament only uses the word redeem only the word redeem is only in the new testament twice but it's uh, dozens of times in the old testament and in the book of mormon and uh, it's it's something of a uh, Old Testament, um, something of an Old Testament symbol of what Jesus would do because of the blood sacrifice. Yeah, because of all the all the sacrifice and uh, the blood that would be spilled. And so when they're talking about uh, in Leviticus, redeem is over and over again in Leviticus. Um, it's in all of the throughout the Old Testament and Book of Mormon. But in the New Testament, without using the the term Redeemer, it does talk about how Jesus purchased us. So let's just turn to the New Testament to begin with, Scott, and um, let's go to Acts 20, 28, because I think uh, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, makes this pretty clear. Uh, Acts chapter 20, 28, as he's reciting uh, the teachings of Paul. This is actually Paul who teaches us. 
it, and it says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his blood. That's the currency that was used for the purchasing of us. Exactly. Yeah. And, and Scott, I know that he paid the price. He paid the price for all of Heavenly Father's children. The question is, will they receive it? That's the question. Will they receive the gift? And if they don't receive the gift... It's because they will not receive the giver of the gift. Yeah. Doctrine and Covenants 88. Yeah, exactly. One of Brother Matthew's favorite scriptures, by the way. Uh, so uh, Acts 20, 28. Let's go to, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6.20, Scott, and uh, listen to what uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 20. And in essence, what he's saying here in this verse is that we are not our own. You know, sometimes I think we say, well, I'm my own man, you know, or or we, even in the church, we, we have a certain pride, I think, in trying to be self-reliant. <laughs> there is, there is uh, no self-reliance when it comes to redemption and salvation. We are completely, utterly, totally dependent. 100% dependent on, on a Redeemer. On His merits, none of our own. and that's Exactly. A, a, that's, it's through His blood, yep. not ours. Well, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 20 makes that pretty clear. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. <laughs> you are bought with a price. <laughs> yeah. The price was blood. Yeah. Bought with a price. We are not our own. Uh, how about uh, Second Nephi, or Second Peter, chapter two, verse one, Scott. Second Peter, chapter two, verse one. Uh, same idea that we are we're purchased. We're not our own. That the Savior owns us, and that He paid the price for all of our redemption through His blood. Second Peter, chapter two, verse one. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there will, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnation, damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So, what are the most damnable heresies that can be taught according to Peter? Denying the Lord that He has bought them. Denying that they're purchased. Yep. I'm my own man. I can save myself. Yep. And Scott, in in and out of the church, we have a lot of people who are trying to save themselves. For sure. Now I I know the scripture, work out your own salvation. I know that. That's Philippians. But if you look at the next verse, you only you can only do that through the power of God. Uh we are not our own. That's the point. Yeah. Redeemed through his blood. Uh, just two more. These, these are powerful. Uh, let's go to Galatians 1.14. Uh, 
Paul writing again here, but all these, all of these except for the one in Peter are from Paul, teaching us that we are purchased through His blood. Of all the people that would know about blood sacrifice, it'd be Paul, who was a leader among the Jews, who was so involved in this in the sacrifice and all the times of sacrifice, the the major sacrifice and festivals of the Jewish nation, not understanding that, of course, all of that was a type, symbol, prefigurement of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So, Galatians 1.14, what does it say? In whom we have redemption, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. This is one of my favorite ones. Of all the ones that we're going to be reading today, this is one of my favorite ones because it is just so clear. Uh, There's no mistaking what this means. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So That's our very title, right? Yeah. title of this course. Redeemed through his blood. Maybe that's why I love it so much. But here here it's it's telling us, you know, he bought us. He's purchased us. That's what redemption means. To redeem something is to purchase, right? So he purchased us through his blood. Why? Even for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah. Yeah, and that's sweet. I love that. Yeah. I do too. Thanks, Scott. Uh, Hebrew 13.20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. The blood of the covenant. Yeah. Uh, that, that goes all the way back to Adam and Eve when they were asked to make sacrifice. Yeah. And the blood of the lamb. and All the way back to Genesis and how they yeah, actually yeah. made and cut those covenants in the beginning. From the time Adam and Eve uh, were on this earth, there, there was a sacrifice and blood was a big part of that. Um, I, think, I think last time we talked about uh, cleave a little bit. Did we talk about cleave, what it means? That, that they would uh, cleave, you know, has two different meanings. It's a term that I've become... I think more sensitive to as a sealer in the temple, uh, you know the word the word cleaves part of part of the ordinance of the holy order of matrimony, and um, it's just really interesting how the cutting a covenant. It's about ancient ancient Hebrews did not talk about making a covenant. It was cutting a covenant. It was bloody. And how Abraham was asked to pass between. They would, they would cut an animal in half, and he had to pass between them, which was symbolic of not only that this is what would save him, but that if he did not receive the covenant, then the same uh, sacrifice, the same punishment would be upon him if he did not keep the covenant. So I, it's... Um, all of these scriptures in the New Testament, Scott, uh, are prefigured and foreshadowed by the uh, the sacrifices and the scriptures of the Old Testament and the Book of Mormon. I mean, in the Book of Mormon, Scott, they clearly understood uh, redemption is through blood. Uh, King Benjamin's amazing address, which is referenced to throughout the entire rest of the Book of Mormon, even by by Helaman in Helaman chapter 5 when he's teaching his sons Nephi and Lehi, he points back to 
King Benjamin's address. I mean this, and this this address has some personal meaning and sentiment to me, Scott, because I remember this absolutely, and I I know it was through more through the Holy Spirit than through really understanding it. I don't think I had a real deep understanding the first time I read this on my mission, but I remember reading this on my mission in Fresno, California, for the first time, really reading it really feeling it and i know that it changed me changed my heart because of the holy ghost bearing witness that this was true but i think he references in just um mosiah chapter three alone he references blood five times right yeah five times and and uh let's let's just the first one talks about how much blood he spilled and then over and over again it's he he reiterates that it's through that blood from every pore that redeems us. So you want to yeah, yeah, look me, at those? Yeah, let me just take these. Uh, so we'll, let, me, let me start here in 7. And lo, he shall suffer temptation and pain of body and hunger, thirst, fatigue, even more than man can suffer. And let me just pause there. It doesn't say even more than man is willing to suffer. This makes it seem like that it's impossible for it's us. It's impossible. Yeah, it's just bodily, Not humanly mortally impossible for possible. us to suffer to the level that he did. So great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and the abominations of his people. Uh, but but it, let me uh, suffer except it be unto death. For behold, blood cometh from every pore. So great shall be his anguish for the wickedness and abomination of his people. I believe that's the first time that we uh, get in Restoration Scripture that uh, he bled from every pore, is that right? Yeah, and and so, Scott, it's not just the suffering. Right. It's the blood. The blood. It is the blood that that oozed from every pore. And we know, we'll talk more about this later, when we uh, spend, I don't know, maybe three podcasts on just the uh, what the atonement is. Um, but we know that all of this suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane reoccurred, intensified on the cross. On the cross, right. And if there's any more blood left in Jesus when he's crucified, then he, he's shedding it on the cross again. I, th- I think most Christians think, when they think of the bloody sacrifice of Jesus Christ, they think about his scourging, they think about the the crown of thorns placed on his head. They they think about the all of the blood that is spilt on the cross, and that's true too. All of that's true. But as as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and having Restoration Scripture, such as the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants, we are the only ones, Scott, in the in Christianity in all of Christianity that understand that he bled from every pore. I, I, that's, that's, that's not in the Bible. That's only taught in the Book of Mormon, King Benjamin 3.7, and it's taught in Doctrine and Covenants section 19, that Jesus bled from every pore. He's, Luke comes closest to it, right, in Luke 22.44, where it says that he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, like great drops of blood. So Luke Luke kind of references it to to it, but n- nobody understands except us because of the restoration that he bled from every pore. So great was his anguish for the sins of his people. Right. So we should be 
so grateful and we should we understand how bloody this was and i i love how the church just kind of depicts it in the, the bible videos that the church made that after he bleeds from every pore he goes over to the little kidron brook and he washes himself even before he's arrested so that you know that blood in the water blood and water are represented there and he's he, he, you know, he would have been, you know, I think somebody would have said something about it had he not washed himself, maybe. I, I like to think that he did wash himself in the brook before he was arrested. Anyway. Well, let's let's continue on with uh, King Benjamin's great address here. Uh, I'm going to read 10. Um, and he shall rise on the third day from the dead, and behold, standeth to judge the world, and behold, all these things are done that righteous judgment might come upon the children of men. And I th- we'll, we'll talk more about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll do maybe a whole podcast on, on that, that verse. Yeah, that righteous judgment component of that. Yep, yep. Super important. And again, uh, it's only because of what the rest of what we're about to read that that righteous judgment can even exactly. take place. For behold, and also, this is verse 11, behold, and also his blood atoneth for the sins of those who have fallen by, by the transgression of Adam, who have died not knowing the will of God concerning them, or who have ignorantly sinned. So there it is again, blood. And now if we go over to uh, verse 15, and I'm not going to read the entire verse here, but about halfway down uh, it begins concerning his coming, and yet they hardened their hearts and understood not that the law of Moses availeth nothing except it were through the atonement of his blood. Yeah. Of his blood. Yeah, so uh, King Benjamin references it over and over again, and it's even in, uh, in fact, read the results of his address, Scott, um, in Mosiah 4, Mosiah 4, verse 2. So the effects of his address focusing on the blood of Jesus Christ and how redemption is through his blood, read, read what, they, what the people claim. Well, I, I, I will, but even before I do that, for behold, he judgeth, this is 18 and 3, he judgeth his judgment is just, and an infant perisheth not that dieth in his infancy... But men drink damnation to their own souls, except they humble themselves, this is it, and become as a little child, and believe that salvation was, and is, and is to come in and through the atoning blood. The atoning of blood. Of Christ, the Lord Omnipotent. Yeah. All right, now we'll go over to Mosiah chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, and they had viewed themselves... Uh, this is a pretty popular. We all probably have some familiarity with this. These are the people scripture. who had pitched their tents with their families, facing, facing the, temple, the temple, listening to King Benjamin, and this is the effect it has on them. They viewed themselves in their own carnal state, even less than the dust of the earth. And they all cried out with one voice, saying, I just imagine, I'm going to pause right there, I can just imagine us, when we have that same effect... You know, mm-hmm. when we understand our own nothingness, yeah. our own uh, carnal state, and we're able to view that uh, as it is, you know, without yeah. even personal judgment, but as that is. And, and that's what they did. And they all cried out with one voice saying, oh, have mercy and apply, apply what? The atoning blood of Christ. Not the atonement. The atoning blood 
of Christ. Why? That we may receive forgiveness of our sins and our hearts may be purified. For we believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who created heaven and earth and all things, who shall come down among the children of men. Well, I I just want to point out, Scott, that um, the essential element of blood in the atonement of Jesus Christ and in in our redemption, um, you know, President Nelson, President Eyring, President Oaks, they've all all taught there is no power in the atonement itself. Uh, The atonement is not an entity in and of itself, that Jesus Christ is the power behind the atonement. But really what they're saying, you know, which the scriptures teach, is that it is Christ and his blood. It's the blood of Christ. There is no atonement without the blood of Jesus Christ, um, not just being shed, but him being literally bruised by bleeding from every pore. It is the wounded Christ, it is the bloody, bruised Jesus Christ that is our Redeemer, who ransomed us. That was the price. That was the price of him purchasing each of us if we would receive it. And it's free. It costs us nothing except to receive it, to receive the gift. So I don't know. It's pretty. It's pretty humbling to think about it, Scott. I'm, it's overwhelming to me. And um, I let's just go to let's just uh, you know this address of King Benjamin is again. I I said it's referenced by Helaman in Helaman chapter five. If you want to skip over there, Scott, and start with maybe verse nine. Uh, I I know everyone loves Helaman five twelve. Yeah. That Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Absolutely. I love that verse, too. Um, in fact, I've used that as a password, you know, Helaman 512 and <laughs> the rock or <laughs> however you can use that in a password. Sure. I love that verse, one of my favorites. But uh, to really uh, understand and appreciate it, you got to understand the, the three verses before it, 9, 9, 10, and 11. So listen to what Helaman tells his two sons, Nephi and Lehi, in Helaman 5, 9 through 11. Oh, remember, remember, my sons, the words which King Benjamin spake unto his people. How great was that address that 100 years later, yeah. over 100 years later, they're still referencing he, he King sti- Benjamin's address about the atonement of Jesus Christ. He's still quoting general conference talks. Yea, remember that there is no other way or means whereby man can be saved only through the atoning blood there of it is. Jesus Christ. Atoning blood. Who Not shall atonement, atoning blood. Who shall come, yea, remember that he cometh to redeem the world. And remember also the words which Amulek spake to Zizram in the city of Ammonihah, for he said unto him that the Lord surely should come to redeem his people, but that he should not come to redeem them in their sins, but to redeem them from their mm, sins. They have to receive it. They have to repent. Right. And he hath power given unto him from the Father to redeem them from their sins because of repentance. Therefore, so there, there's the conditional part of that redemption yes. is it's conditional 
conditional upon their repentance. Through his blood and through their repentance. Which is just our way of qualifying for the blessings that came, the gift. Therefore, he has set his angels to to declare the tidings of the conditions of repentance, which bringeth unto the power of the Redeemer, unto the salvation of their souls. And now here's 12, the one that we are all so familiar with and love so much. And now, my sons, remember, remember that it is upon this rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ, the Son of God, that ye must build your foundations, that when the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and his mighty storm shall beat upon you, it shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Because of the rock upon which ye are built, which is sure a sure foundation, a foundation whereon, if men build, they cannot fall. Mm. That is powerful. Yeah. It's such powerful teaching from Helaman. Yeah. Helaman chapter uh, chapter 5. There, there's, a, there's a little insight here that I might share, uh, you know, where it talks about in Helaman 5 uh, it, that uh, the devil shall send forth his mighty winds and his shafts in the whirlwind. You know, it was brought, a question got brought up to us a couple of weeks ago uh, or so when we were talking about this scripture in our institute class. And somebody said, what does that mean, the shafts in the whirlwind? Well, you know, David, if you think about it, it's not really ever the whirlwind that kills you. It's not the whirlwind that gets you. It's not the tornado that gets you. It's the truck that's flying across the sky that gets you. It's the... It's the, the shafts the in the whirlwind, the, the yeah, sticks, the tools, whatever, exactly. in the whirlwind. And, and that, you know, and, we, and I think, you know, we're doing a little parenthetical um, insight here, but I think it's important for us to realize that we can't see the power of Satan. We can't see, you know, with our own eyes, but we can see the effects of it, you know, and they are those shafts in the whirlwind. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll we'll bro- probably be discussing that more and more as the uh, podcast goes on this season. But extremely important for us to understand. Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's just focus on maybe a couple other instances or okay. or scriptures that uh, teach this doctrine and why why our course is titled what is it is and redemption through the blood. Uh, I love doctrine and covenants. It's in all the scriptures, Scott. It's in all the all standard, standard works. works, right? Uh, that it's through his blood that we are purchased. It's through his blood that we are redeemed and saved. Uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 69. Um, this, you know, this amazing vision given to the prophet Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon as, as a witness who see uh, the Father and the Son. They see Satan and the hosts of Satan. They see the celestial kingdom, terrestrial kingdom, telestial kingdom. Well, in, in the uh, description, I think, of the celestial kingdom in Doctrine and Covenants 76, verse 69, Scott, uh, here it is. These are they who are just men made perfect through Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, who wrought out this perfect atonement through the shedding of his own blood. There's no atonement without the shedding of Christ's blood. The perfect atonement wrought through the shedding of Christ's blood. It took the blood of a God to redeem us. Um, anyway, and we're, you know, there's so much symbol to blood itself, Scott. Blood is a, a symbol of, of healing, 
blood as a symbol of cleansing. Of life. Uh, over and over again, by the way, on that point, over and over again in the scriptures, it talks about, um, John talks about it in Revelations. I think it's um, about seven times in the Book of Mormon. Our garments are made white through the blood of the Lamb. We are cleansed. I mean, it's 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 said so many different ways, but we are cleansed. We are saved. We are redeemed. Um, we are made white. Our garments are made white through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, I, I've mentioned this before in our other seasons, but um, it's blood that cleanses blood. I learned that in the dry cleaning business. Uh, Scott, you have to have the same properties of blood to cleanse blood. And we live in a, in a world that is uh, full of sin and blood. From the blood and sins of this generation, Jesus Christ's atonement and his blood was necessary in order to cleanse our blood and the sins that we are all guilty of. So uh, blood represents even the imperfectness of man. Blood is the corruptible part of man. There's just so many symbols associated with blood. But more than the symbols, it's the literal, we believe, in the literal shedding of the blood of a God, Jesus Christ, that is absolutely necessary to make the atonement, his atonement, perfect and to have any power or efficacious power uh, in our life. There's one more um, that I'd like to kind of point out in Moses chapter 6, verse 59. Yeah, awesome. Um, and I and maybe we maybe this will be the last scripture that we uh, discuss around this, uh, and then I have another uh, little insight that maybe I'd like to share, Dave. But so this is Moses six fifty nine. Actually, I'm going to do fifty eight and fifty nine. Therefore, fifty eight. Therefore, I give unto you a commandment to teach these things freely to your children. And this this is God speaking to Adam and Eve, right? Saying. So uh, this is good, good advice, good direction for us as well to uh, teach this to our children, to our families, to each other, that by reason of transgression cometh the fall, which fall bringeth death, and inasmuch as ye were born into the world by water and blood, and the Spirit, which I have made, and so become of dust a living soul, even so you must be born again unto the kingdom of heaven, of water and of the Spirit." And be cleansed by blood, even the blood of mine only begotten, that ye might be sanctified from all sin and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory. Mm. I, I love that because that encapsulates for us the, the reason we need it. And this is Adam and Eve. This is from the very, <laughs> very beginning. beginning. Yeah, the very first, our very first parents, the very first humans on this earth, were taught, after being commanded to sacrifice a lamb, that it would be through the blood of the Son of God that redemption would be possible. So you know, we we obviously have spent a lot of time this morning or today talking about Jesus Christ purchasing us and the currency by which He. 
purchased us, his blood. And why is that important? Well, maybe we can just touch on that, uh, the, the importance of that again for just a second. You know, Many know, some don't, that uh, my um, experience uh, is a little bit convoluted in that I'm, I'm actually a recovering alcoholic. And so my experience around the atonement, I have, uh, it's been my own personal, like it is for everybody's. Mine's no more special or no less special than anybody else's. But but that what comes with that experience comes a bit of a, a maybe a different perspective or maybe a different view. And, you know, when I when I entered into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous 25 years ago to tomorrow will be 25 years for me. By oh, the way. wow. Tomorrow's the date. Wow, Scott. Yeah, so 25 years ago today, and I was wow, going through yeah. all kinds of hellish experiences that were eventually, because of the redemption, redeemed, and, and uh, I have become saved from all of that. But, mm. but it doesn't just come to those of us who have that experience by way of Scripture. You know, sometimes we need ancillary and other types of help, and, and uh, for me, it came through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. The second step in the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm reading this from the book called Alcoholics Anonymous. We, call it, we, we refer to it as the big book. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to, sta- to sanity, uh, to restore us to sanity. In other words, to, you know, because of this higher power, we see that, we know that higher power to be Jesus Christ, the Son, God the Father, the Father, and the Holy Ghost. We understand that. But in order for any of those simul- simulations of sanity and, you know, and that's pretty presumptuous because a lot of us would say, well, I never had any sense <laughs> we're, of sanity. We're all crazy. <laughs> exactly. But, I, you know, <laughs> in the broader meaning of the word, which is what the way it's intended, you know, in order for us to be, and, and we can see it as a being restored to sanity. We know we came from a pre-existence. We know that that restoration for us needs to take place as well. And by, by the way, Scott, <clears throat> the word redeemed, another great synonym for that is restored. Right. Yeah. That's another synonym for redeemed. So we're redeemed and we're restored through his blood. And in order yeah. for that restoration to happen, I need to establish. And, you know, we'll go through this more, but, you know, we go into steps four and five. And then we, you know, which is a the confession. We go into six and seven, which is a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You know, then we go to 11, which is a continued relationship with him. And I won't get into all of that today. We'll probably talk about it some as we go. But... And this is true not just for people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and this, but this is true for all of us. In order for us to have any restoration in our lives, to have any kind of sense of stability, any sense of uh, sanity, if you will, for the lack of a better word, that has to happen, and it can only happen because of our alignment with Jesus Christ through his blood. Yeah, so let me, well, let me ask you a question, because... Maybe some other listeners are wondering the same thing. So, obviously, the big book yep. and the 12 steps and Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't talk anything about the blood right. of Jesus. It talks about uh, believing in a power higher, higher power. than yourself. Right. Yeah. So, uh, based on your experience, now I know Jew, atheist, agnostic, Hindu, whatever, Christian can be blessed by the by the big book and by Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah, even atheists. Yeah. You've witnessed that. Absolutely. But how how has it been enhanced for you or for others that you know through not just believing in a higher power, 
but a perfect atonement wrought by the blood of Christ. Well, it, it makes all the difference. It, it doesn't make just a little bit of difference. It makes all the difference. Now, you, you say, well, what do you mean by all the difference? Isn't the goal, isn't the objective? In fact, our, in our traditions, we say that our primary purpose is to achieve sobriety and help others to achieve, to stay sober and to help other people to achieve sobriety. So that's our primary purpose. But, you know, in order for me to have that uh, working in my life, and I have to get congruent with all things in my life, you know, one of the slogans that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous is, that we practice these principles in all our affairs. Well, that requires me to align with my own congruency. My own congruency is a testimony of Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And I know uh, through experience and through the experiences of others that I've had the opportunity to sponsor and observe, and many, um, many, probably most by a long shot, big majority, not members of the church currently, Mm -hmm. maybe have been but aren't currently, and, and so forth, it's it, it, our 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 ability to receive not just restoration, not just redemption, not just sanity, not just to have our lives back free from the bondage of all of the things that can come with addiction and and those kinds of things. But more than sobriety, more believing in a higher power that that helps you get there. Yeah, that knowing about the blood and the atonement of Jesus Christ that was shed for you. Right has a power of transformation right totally has a power of restoration totally redemption yeah salvation yeah and ultimately a relationship well and even and even in a sense of creation you know there's a lot of us think of restoration and we think and we're wrong in this but we think well i just there's just nothing worth my life in in my life worth restoring you know well okay then let's change that then we can say that maybe it's not restoration for you maybe it's creation for you and he can through the restoration through the redemption he can create for you a life of happiness and peace yeah well uh i think scott that um what one of the things that we we can do better at um individually is and as families as a church is to um, better understand and appreciate what the restoration has made available to each of us the knowledge the knowledge and truth that the restoration uh, makes available to each of us and uh, for for example just one precious nugget of scripture that in the book of mormon when the savior appears to the people at the temple in bountiful and he appears as a resurrected being and you you know the kind of the context of this they the people are gathered at the temple there's been widespread, tremendous uh, destruction, and they they hear a voice, they see a light, they finally look up, and when they look up, they, they can actually begin to discern the voice, and they hear the voice of the Father introducing, introducing the Son, and, the, and as he comes down out of heaven, and he stretches forth his hand, and uh, I'm sure they see the wounds, and he says to them, I think his introduction is just, how would Jesus, or how will Jesus, introduce himself when he appears? What is it that Jesus 
would have us focus on when it comes to us uh, worshiping him? What does he want us to know about him? And so here is a self-introduction of Jesus to a group of people who have been um, looking for him. He appears and he says, this is 35, 11, verses 10 and 11. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, whom the prophets testified shall come into the world. Important, the role of prophets, right? He wants to point that out. Verse 11. Behold, I am the light and the life of the world. Life, you always think of blood. Light and the life of the world, and I have drunk out of that bitter cup which the Father hath given me, and have glorified the Father in taking upon me the sins of the world, in the which I have suffered, suffered the will of the Father in all things from the beginning. It's uh, Elder Holland has reminded us. It is the uh, it, so. What does he focus on here? He focuses on I, I've I've partaken of the bitter cup. I I was slain. I have suffered for the sins of the world. Elder Holland has told us that it is through uh, Christ and His suffering that allows us to to worship, not some um, some being who stands there with a smile on his face, uh, beckoning to us in a meadow. It is the wounded Christ. It is the wounded Christ that we, uh, that we worship. And it was so important to him that the first things that he asked these people to do is to be baptized and to initiate the sacrament. And when he initiates the sacrament, he tells them, this shall ye always do that those who repent and are baptized in my name, and ye shall do it in remembrance of my blood, which I have shed for you. That's what he wanted them to know. I have shed my blood for you and everything you do. And Scott, I know this is true. Everything that we do in the church should help us to remember the blood he shed for us. We should see that in everything that we do, in all the ordinances, in all of the covenants. Um, That's what we should be focused on, and he has told us, commanded us, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not, behold the wounds. This is the words of Jesus Christ. In Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, Behold the wounds which pierce my side and the prints of the nails in my hands and feet. That's what he wants us to focus on because he knows of the power that comes as we focus upon his suffering and the shedding of his blood. And I, I think the power that comes is the effect that it has on you on me and all of our listeners, in that it not only humbles us, not not only causes us to feel um, remorse for the sins and the blood that we all 
are guilty of. But what it does for me, Scott, it fills me with such deep gratitude, which then gives me great desires right. to love him, to follow him, to... To, uh, to be like him. To be like him. To, to, uh, when we know that he has purchased us, when we know that we are not our own, there's, there is a redemptive power in just that, um, that knowledge, that testimony, that he, he purchased me, I am not my own. It's, it's maybe not so much who am I. Yeah. But maybe even more, it's whose am I? Whose am I? And uh, that makes all the difference. And who is he? We'll talk more about that next week when yeah. we talk about the pre-mortal existence, the yep. the plan of redemption and the pre-mortal existence and the rebellion that broke out and a little bit more about identity and uh, who we are. All important for us to know, and it's important to know why we need to know it. Uh, and I hope that that, uh, you know, maybe through the week between these two episodes, that we can be taking that into consideration. It's really easy, I think, for all of us, and, and I know it's true for me too, to, to just go to, um, to really just take for granted that we know why we need a Savior, that we know why things needed to happen the way they needed to happen. We, we, we understand the wrestle between justice and mercy. We understand all of those things. At least we think we do. Well, gang, as we go through this week, our invitation will be to you, uh, John seventeen three. Uh, this is life eternal, that they might know thee. Please come to know him uh, the way that we need to know him so that when we have fears, when we have doubts, uh, you know, and David made reference to this, uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 6, beginning 36, look to me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. And then he extends the invitation to behold the wounds which pierced my side and also the prints of the nails of my hands and my feet. Uh, and so when, when he's inviting us to take upon us his atonement, to doubt not, to fear not, and, and truly the atonement of Jesus Christ and the power that comes through that atonement dissipates all doubt, dissipates all fear. But where's he inviting us to come? David's made that quite clear today that he's inviting us to come to the cross, to the garden, and, and even to the garden tomb where the resurrection take, took place. And, and Scott, to come to know him, a further invitation I would uh, leave with our listeners is to maybe make it a personal study on your own about the... Uh, the titles of Savior, Redeemer, and all of the other titles that will inspire you to come to know him. But I think that uh, it's, it's really um, edifying and uplifting, and uh, there's a certain power in understanding uh, particularly the title of Redeemer. Right. And, uh, and also Savior and Creator. And uh, those titles, I think those three titles, uh, sum up uh, the mission of Jesus Christ as well as anything. And, um, and they don't mean the same thing. They, they all mean something different, and, uh, as well as all the other titles. But I, I would just invite them to, to look up the word redeem and to, 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 to study the word redeem or to study the, the, the term uh, redemption versus the term salvation. It's, it's, I think, really interesting, edifying, 
and enlightening and invite listeners to do that, to come to know him. Thanks so much, Dave. Thanks for being with us, gang. Uh, we appreciate your participation. And again, don't hesitate to send us emails with your questions, etc. at us at gmail.com. Thanks again for being with us. We look forward to being with you each and every week. And until we see you or talk to you again next week, be well. <laughs>